0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: This is Let's Do the Right Thing, in association with Radio Works, presented and curated by Adam Hopkinson.
3: This is the LDTRT podcast, brought in conjunction with Passion Media and Radio Works. It was set up to tell the story of leaders in the media industries and focusing on their journeys and motivations. I myself launched a media agency last year, Passion, to focus on fashion, entertainment, and leisure verticals. And I've had loads of great advice in doing so. In fact, a lot of it from guests on this podcast. I'm still on the mission to gather the best advice. I'm really excited to be talking to Helen today, Helen Gorman. She's the managing partner of Let's Reset. And as we grow as a business, I'm particularly keen to gather some insight on how we can make our pitching more compelling. And there does not seem to be a more qualified teacher here than Helen. She's run marketing in some of the biggest brands in the country, Britvic, GlaxoSmithKline, Post Office and Kodak, to name but a few. Give me all your knowledge. Hello, how are you?
2: I'm well, thank you. What a lovely introduction. Great well, to be here.
3: It's all true.
2: <laughs> it is. It is all true.
3: <laughs> it's a good start.
2: Yeah, it is. It is. Sounds so, exciting when you read it like that.
3: Well, it did. It did sound pretty good, didn't it? Yeah, I like that. Well, I, Maybe I could have done it in the more it was a time of war voiceover <laughs> for radio or something like that. But uh, thank you for taking time out to, to come and talk to us. It's a pleasure to have you here. How, how are you? How's things?
2: Yeah. Things are things are interesting at the moment, I think. You you talked about the businesses that I've worked in, the big corporate businesses. Big. big. corporate businesses. But obviously now I'm running a startup. So it's an interesting time with everything going on in the outside world to be running a startup business. Well,
3: but that's why you're so fascinating to me, actually, having <laughs> had the corporate background and the, the startup as well. Because yeah. they're very different ways of thinking.
2: Yeah, really different. I'm sure we're going to get on and talk uh, about that this let's afternoon. Let's dive straight in. Which do you prefer? Which? do I prefer do you know they're so so different that I love different aspects about both of them so I've been lucky enough as you mentioned to work for GlaxoSmithKline FTSE top 10 organization so super super amazing organization to work in amazing brands known in every household Throughout Great Britain. Yep. So really amazing structure, training. I mean, I joined GlaxoSmithKline because at that time you went through five years of the Marketing Academy to train as a marketeer. That
3: right? that's, that's that's what you need to do to do medicine.
2: Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. My son's doing medicine, so I know all about that. But um, I, I, joined, I joined Glaxo to get stellar training. Yeah. It was really important to me to learn the trade. And so I loved working in that big corporate environment. It really suited me. It doesn't suit everyone. But the structure, particularly early on in my career, really worked for me. Startup, there's no structure. Oh, it's, you, chaos. It, it's you got everything from making the tea yeah. to being the CFO yeah. to winning a new business.
3: Mending the printer. Uh, it, the, yeah. the
2: whole lot. So it's um, it's a very different beast.
3: And okay, so I'm going to ask the question again, but slightly differently. Which are you? Which can you be more Helen in?
2: So I think I have been Helen in both, and let me let me tell you why I'm answering that. That's not me sitting on the fence. So I think as you get older, you you change. So I've been in business for thirty years, and I think you you grow. You find what you like, what you don't like. You also find what are you super brilliant at. I, I I really believe that everyone is super brilliant at something, and you discover that as you go through your career. So my early days when I was at GlaxoSmithKline, I was really disciplined. I wanted to learn every aspect of marketing. I, yes, wanted to be a jack of all trades and be able to be good at creative, good at delivering the commercial aspect, good at managing people in the team and so that gave me breadth and i really enjoyed that if you fast forward to now it's how many years is it since i left clack so gosh it's (coughs) 25 years (laughs) yeah good 25 years since i since i left but if you if you fast forward to now i'm really focusing not only on what I'm good at and have learned to be good at over the course of my career but I'm focusing on what I'm passionate about so I think that's the that's the difference Your your passions change I think over time as you experience life not only in work but outside of work
3: as well yeah, but I haven't stopped listening to Slayer since I was thirteen. <laughs> so that that that's a that's my true north there. But no, you, you're quite right. Your passions change, and you know your your interests and your, your abilities change change as well. I, I think for me personally, I'm I'm better suited to a startup mentality. Because I'm too curious about everything. And I and I and I don't like railroading and doing one particular thing. I kinda of lose interest very quickly if I'm doing that. So when there is everything to do, it keeps me engaged really well. Yeah. But it's exhausting.
2: Yeah. Well, Start up.
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
3: And and yeah, you know, we, we before just starting this now we, we were talking about something that i think we'll probably introduce right now which is about setting boundaries mm. so you know that's something that i am getting increasingly poor at as i'm getting older because i'm getting more and more curious about everything that's around me and i don't know where to stop yeah how do you how do you do that
2: boundaries and look, we talked about this how do i just... reset yeah we, yeah we talked we talked about boundaries just before we came on today didn't we and boundaries is something for me that has always been Super important all the way through my career. I'll, I'll talk about boundary setting and what we do at Let's Reset a little bit later on. But from, from a personal perspective, really early on in my career and at Glaxo, you know, going back to the late 90s, it was, it was a different culture of work. And it's hard. It's almost hard to remember what it was like. But there was a lot of presenteeism. There was a lot of you've got to be working 14 hours a day and you've got to be present and to be seen to be doing that. So quite a high pressure environment. And I discovered really early on that I was just better at my job if I didn't 100% conform to that so I was better at my job if I finished and that sometimes meant walking out leaving all my colleagues in the office Um, and whether that was to go by the river for a run whether it was to go to the gym whether it was to do something that wasn't work related I discovered that that made me better coming in the following day and so boundaries were really important now in the late 90s early noughties that was really difficult to do because yeah. no one no one was really doing it um, and anyone who's just started their working career now i think what you, you you couldn't what you couldn't leave yeah. at what time it's crazy it it, it just didn't happen so it was quite challenging to, to do that. And there was a degree of bravery for me doing that. But particularly at Glaxo, I know they're very different now. I've got friends who, who still work there um, and they're, they're really different in how they look at it. But when I moved to Perfect Soft Drinks, one of the things that I'm really proud about, I became known as one of the people in that organisation for modelling work-life balance. Uh, As we then called it, I think now we tend to call it a blend, don't we, rather than a balance. But back then it was about work-life balance and it took some courage. You know, sometimes I would walk out of an exec board meeting at 5.30 because... My nanny was going home and if I wasn't on time for her, she wasn't going to come back the next day. Yeah, And so it was a, it, it was a period of my career that I'm really proud of because I know that I helped some of the younger people through the organization and showed to them that you can set boundaries. You can still be really, really good at your job. And it's not necessarily about the hours that you put in. It's how you energize yourself in between, which yeah. makes you better when you come back the next day.
3: And uh, I, I, great, and you know, being a vanguard for what is now a change in the industry, it's got, got to be quite rewarding looking back on it. Yeah. That must have been really tough as well, and and also being being woman, yeah. you know, was did, was that a problem as well at the same time? Did you get, did you did you find that that was harder, or not?
2: I, um, I don't think so because Good. <laughs> I I stopped worrying about what people thought. And not, not in an arrogant way, not in a not caring way, but I think with experience comes a bit of confidence that you're delivering what you're there to do. And so for me, as long as I was delivering the outcomes for my team as people and from the business as commercials, then actually it gave me some freedom to work in a slightly different way that suited me. And this is something that we're now talking about all the time, aren't we? We're talking about, do people truly feel empowered to work in a way that fulfills them, energizes them and makes them the best they can be? Yeah. I guess I was doing that 10 years ago before we really started talking about it.
3: Amazing great
2: (laughs) it sounds so easy when you say it like that it it, 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 it was it it wasn't it wasn't at the time it was because it made me feel really good yeah and a big part of my motivation is just generally about feeling good yeah um but it wasn't easy because not a lot of people were doing it right
3: and understand you know we're, we're, we're trying so so i'm 50 next year and you know i'm quite set in my ways but we are very much trying to make sure that we are empowering the teams to make sure that they can operate as best as they possibly can and that takes away some learned behaviour and some ingrained behaviour from me to stop forcing people to to work in, in the in the way that they have been and it's quite good for us and it's and it's liberating for us to do it and to empower and then to see the results coming back. We've put a couple of things in play at the minute that we are working on a nine day fortnight mm-hmm. so we do five days on um, four days on so everybody yeah. has an alternate an alternating Friday off, which is really good and it gives and you can do anything you want with that. Brilliant. You know, you can go and donate your time to a charity or work somewhere else or just spend time doing whatever you need to do to, to get a balance in place. And we're finding that's really good. But married at the same time is we, um, we're we conscious that everything changed over the course of COVID and people were working from home and doing very well. But now we're seeing a huge problem with people coming into the industry that it's almost impossible to train them when they're not in the office. Yeah, And man, how, how, do, how do I balance that? How do we get that going?
2: Yeah, I, I think one of the things that's changing and one of the things that I talk about at Let's Reset to our clients all the time is what are the valuable assets of an organisation? And I think that's where you need to start. And what's becoming increasingly talked about and now numerous case studies actually proving it is, and this is my provocation, that actually the most important asset that any organisation has is the energy of its people, uh, and let me tell you why that 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 provocation. So you can have the best product if you're a manufacturing industry. You can have the best strategy. You can have a brilliant breadth of skill set, experience in your organization. But if you don't have the energy of the people in your in your team and your function, wider through the organization, then you can't truly thrive and they can't truly thrive. And if you ever wanted the biggest case study on the planet to prove that, look what COVID did. Yeah. When people didn't have their health and energy, that they couldn't work to their optimal and they couldn't perform. And so I think we're changing the dial on what are we looking for from from our people when they walk through the door Monday to Friday. And for me and, and for us at Let's Reset, talking about energy as an asset is is really pivotal.
3: That's a really nice way of putting it. I haven't thought about it like that before, but you're, you're absolutely right. You know, and looking back to some of our, our most successful pitches, the um, the the feedback has always been, we love the energy in the room. We love the way that you're approaching it and smile, engaged, happy, yeah. you know. And, and yes, of course, I mean, it's so basic, but you're, you're absolutely right.
2: Yeah, well, the overused word coming out of COVID is well-being at work suddenly everyone's talking about well-being at work but no one's really defining it and if you look at the world health organization and you look at how they define improving well-being it's about improving energy it's about improving the energy of your workforce
3: and is that then at the minute the the Potentially the lead thing that you are instilling into businesses that you're working with. But let's reset. It
2: is because it's a really exciting and a really easy concept to grab. One of the things that we are doing is trying to simplify well-being at work because there are now so many different definitions. There are so many different aspects to it. But if you boil it down, well-being at work is really about two things. Firstly, are your people energised? You know, are they energized walking through the door Monday to Friday? Because people who are energized tend to be happier and it's been proven tend to be more productive. So that 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 that's the first thing that's really, really important is about the the energy of your people. And then secondly, have you got a way of measuring it? Because you want to ensure that you maintain the energy of your people. We call it measure what you treasure. If you really treasure the well-being of your people... I'm so
3: pleased it's been recorded because otherwise <laughs> I would be making notes and stealing all your sound bites.
2: <laughs> yeah, so measure, measure what you treasure is about measuring the, the well-being and the energy of your people on a regular basis. And, and that's one of the biggest things that we do.
3: Can you measure that objectively? So, you know, in the afternoon, I'm tired, I've got less energy in the afternoon, etc. But I don't know how to measure it versus uh, an absolute at the beginning of the day. How how do you... Yeah, you
2: have to measure it over a longer period of time. And... What we do is there, there are seven things that make up all of our well-being at work. And that's not us at Let's Reset saying that. The, the, it's really interesting. Studying the Harvard Business Review with the Energy Project a few years ago went out to 20,000 employees globally. And they asked them a really simple question. And it was, if you put aside remuneration and career progression, let's just put those to one side for a moment. What do you need to look after to thrive at work? And it was really interesting what people talked about. And they talked largely about seven things. And so what we've done is we've built the seven needs of well-being and performance framework. And we measure people on those seven things. And we get them to score themselves once a quarter. And then we track, are they putting in actions to improve that? If they are, what can they do to make the boat go faster? And if they're not, what do they need to improve to to get a turnaround?
3: Wow. Wow can we get you in to talk to our lot <laughs> <laughs>
2: we'd love we'd love to we'd love to but but on a serious point I think it's about making it both easy to understand holding people to account uh, and what I mean by that is we hear a lot of people go well I, I need to have my well-being looked after at work. Yeah. Actually, what you need to do is you've got to take some personal accountability and then your organisation has to take some organisational accountability. When those two things come together under a really clear definition about what well-being is for that organisation, a little bit of magic happens.
3: Wow, I want the magic. Come on, give us more magic.
2: <laughs> well, the magic's about having really open an honest conversation. So whenever we start working with a new organization, the biggest worry that we have from the senior team who put put the program in say I don't think people are going to be honest about their well-being. I'm not sure they'll feel comfortable talking in front of us about what are their challenges. And 99.9% of the time people really are open. And they're open about two things, which is lovely. They're open about what we call the super strengths in their organisation. So out of those seven needs that we all have, what are the ones that are already thriving in the organisation? And there's always one or two things when you get under the skin of an organisation that people feel really good about, they feel really supported on. But then what are the challenges? And we find that people feel really open to talk about the challenges. And the reason that they do is that we promise them that if they if they open up and they talk about their challenges in a really open way, then we will help them to find an action plan to improve those challenges.
3: Which is, um, again, you know, a change from the early 90s onwards. You know, I I remember when I I started working that, you know, if if you had any problem with the organisation... Or what you were doing within it, you either had to go for a different job, or you need to get out. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't something that you you could bring up anywhere. Yeah. So that you can now has got to be really a, a big behavioural change that will then drive the the well being because that's a huge stress that you've left behind by not having to do or behave or be like somebody else. In the thing.
2: Yeah, completely. And you you asked me earlier, and I didn't properly answer the question about the, the training piece and the fact that when people are working from home, you lose that ability just sitting next to someone and just yeah. observing or being in a meeting next to someone and watching how they, how they run the meeting. And some of that's disappearing. And one of the things that I'm trying to do is change the conversation around hybrid working. I, I hate the phrase personally. Yeah, I don't like it. And I'm not sure the narrative is helpful when you've got that really hard and fast am I working from home or am I working in the office? And the conversations that we're bringing to organisations, it goes back to my energy point, you're going to hear me talk a lot about energy today, but What are the things that energise you as a team to come together? Don't think about are you working from home, are you working in the office? What are the outcomes that you're working on as a team, whether it's a small team, whether it's a whole function or even sometimes a whole organisation if you're a small business? What are those activities, those tasks, those deliverables that you're working on that it would energise you to be together? And if you suddenly think together about coming together through task rather than am I at home or am I in the office? It just changes it. It reframes how you think about how you're going to spend your Monday to Friday.
3: So I'm glad you said that. And I'm, I'm sort of, I'm trying to retrospectively lever it into what we're doing at the minute. And I think we've done that. In that the when we're together as a team, it's all about being together as a team. There's no point in everybody coming in, sitting there on a spreadsheet with their headphones on, concentrating on something. Mm. There's no, no need to be in the office like that. But if we are in the office together, it's about building the culture and building the identity and then brainstorming and creating ideas and, and things to go out and do. And even bringing other people in to come and talk to us all as a whole. Um, It's got to be about being together. And I think, I mean, I, I can feel myself lifting now, even just saying it, that I find that quite energizing. But the flip side of that for me is I really need a couple of days at home a week to plow through all of the stuff that I need to do that is that. Spreadsheet work, or it is yeah. document writing, or it is contracts, or something like that, and and I like differentiating it. So it's the stuff that that is boring, that may even bring me into the office to de-energize the office if I'm sitting there doing mm. something that I don't want anybody disturbing me on. Maybe we have got it right.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It sounds like you have. are making it me feel great. It sounds like you've got it. I feel dance. you've given me a reset. Good. yeah <laughs> It works.
3: It does. Yeah. It does. I've, wow, there we go. I'm happy men. I was grumpy earlier on, but now I'm not. <laughs> how, just, have you, how have you done that? Well, <laughs> but, but
2: going back to two of the things that you, you talked about when you come together, you talked about creativity and being with people. So, two of the seven needs that we all have that, that fuel all of our well being, not just in work, but in life, are do you spend time having a creative outlet? And what are the quality of your relationships like? And you need to be with people. You can't have a relationship through a screen five days a I week. Agree. You, you know, you you can you can deliver, you can achieve things, but you can't have some of the nuances around the relationships if you're if you're not face to face. Creative is the same, you know, the definition of, of of having a creative outlet isn't necessarily what people think. So it's not just about producing something, drawing, writing, painting. It's about being curious and about doing something new. And the reason that that is so important is that when we do something new, it stimulates the neural pathways in our brain. Um, the, the best way to think about this is when you watch a young child do new things, you can see them grow as a human being. And it, that happens to us all the way through our life, well into adulthood, as long as we continue to be curious and do yeah. new things. I challenge you if you're sitting <gasps> at home on your own. Oh, okay. I, challenge, I challenge you if you're sitting at home on your own five days a week, to do new things and to be curious. The number of times I hear that people just fall into the same routine, and that's the danger. If you're remote working all of the time and you're not interacting,
3: absolutely, completely agree. And the it's funny you say that because the. In fact, actually, I'm going to go back a little bit. So, so we we, we met uh, on the 23rd of May. It's it an, an important date, and you know, we we, we met number ten. We and did. um I told you the mischief that I got up to there earlier on. But the visiting number 10 was something that appeared on a list that I'd written for myself of 50 things to do before 50. I turned 50 in March next year. So I would put this thing on there and it was a big one. Mm. Thought, oh, my God, how am I going to do that? And then as it happens, you know, the the the, the universe came onto my side and, and made it happen, which was fantastic. But within that list, there are a whole load of other things as well. Things like... um yeah, things that I've I've always said that I want to do, but have always pushed away. And I've generally pushed away because they are different to what I like doing. So mm-hmm. for example, you know, I told you earlier on that I'm a Slayer fan, right? Yeah. You know, and, and if I stay listening to Slayer and Metal and stuff for, for the rest of my life, I'm not engaging with anything over here. So I've gone through and I've listened to all of the the top fifty Rolling Stone magazine, um, Rolling Stone magazine's top fifty rock albums, <laughs> pop albums, classical, etc. Just to expose, make sure that I'm doing it. I'm watching, you know, all the, the IMD top hundred films, and yeah. So these are quite fun things to do. But mm. you know, you kind of, um, I think, I think I'm trying to sort of like justify what you said to me just now that you know you've you've got to change, you've got to keep pushing on, you've got to be curious and exposing yourself, and mm. and the more I do that. The you know the less the less grumpy old man I'm being the the, the happier I am, which is an obvious thing to say, mm. but it's because I'm doing all this new stuff and not getting into a routine.
2: Yeah, it's really it's really um, important. And sometimes you have to scare yourself. Hey, sometimes you go, yeah. i really going to do that. Can I do that? And you have to go through that, I think, to, to continue to grow.
3: Yeah, and, and, I, and I love that. I, I love the challenges like that. So 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 that, thankfully, number number 10 came off pretty well and, yeah. and pretty fantastic. Now, there are a couple of other things on there that, that, that may not happen, but I don't care. Yeah. You know, It's just like, no, I've said I'm going to do that. I will try and make that happen.
2: Yeah, you're making progress.
3: Absolutely. And again, then we see that when you bring that back into business, being energised and feeling that we're doing these things. Right, I want to go and talk to them and I, I want to get a, a meeting in with that person or I want to get in front of that brand. You you can do it easier from a positive energy base. Yeah. Definitely.
2: Yeah. Definitely. You, you, really, you really can. And when you've got that energy, people start to behave in a different way. And I love all the resources that a lot of businesses are putting in to help people with their well-being. You know, there's so many different apps, there's so many different provisions, and they're brilliant but they're not the whole answer. And the biggest observation I would make is that if you, if you want to change the well-being and performance of an organisation, it, it's down to how people behave.
3: Do you, um, do you, and agreed completely, do you go into like day zero startups and say, do this? You know, because it's quite an important thing to get right from the very beginning rather than going through an organization's journey and then resetting at some point further down the line.
2: We we don't tend to, um, and that often is because they haven't got any money.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well understood. <laughs>
2: but we did it to ourselves when we set up. So we we talked about it. We said, how are we going to how are we going to run this business in a way that helps the industry, helps the marketing, creative, media industry reset and work in a different way, but also how are we going to run this business as a startup? And ensure that it works for us. So my business partner Suki Thompson, who I know you've had as a guest on this podcast series, and she's a serial entrepreneur. So this was her fourth business. Um, This is my first. We both work in a very different way. Um, And if she was here today, she would um, she would absolutely agree and say that. I'm really good at setting boundaries she's really poor at setting boundaries <laughs> but she wanted to get better yeah. so we we looked at ourselves first and said how do we want to operate how do we want to ensure that we show up energised for our clients because you can't fake it you can't fake energy you, you, you can fake a lot of things but you can't fake energy when you're running sessions with 100, 200, 300 people and so we had a really serious conversation with ourselves about what our ground rules were and how we want
3: to work amazing and would that be would that be well I mean it, again it sounds so obvious once it's out in the in the ether but would that be a um, a starting founding piece of advice that you would give to anybody that's going out into business we've we've talked with other people on the on the podcasts about um, and when they when they started that uh, find a good partner, but nobody's actually really clarified what they want that partner to do or how they want them to behave. Yeah, So that's the first thing, really, isn't it?
2: I, I think it, I think it is. I mean, look, some people start on their own. Some people start with a partner. I think it's great to have a partner, particularly if you've never it's done it. Better. before. It's it, <laughs> better. And also to have somebody who's got a really different skill set you so Suki and I are both brilliant and terrible at different things and so that, that that's why it works but I think it's really I think it's really important to agree what your life is like out of work. I I look at so many startups talk to so many founders and they're working 24-7, but it's not sustainable. No. And actually you could always work that extra hour, that extra day, but if you get to the end of the year and you've had no holiday, you've neglected your family, then 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 what's it all for? I agree. And so there are different stresses and strains running your own business versus being in a big corporate organisation. Of course they are, but you still have to give yourself a little bit of time away from the business. It's, it's really important. I, I would provocate more important actually than when you work in the corporate
3: yeah I think you're right um I think you're right, and it, 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 you're giving me all the magic and the wisdom, and I'm going to take it away and I'm going to implement it. But I'm not just going to steal it. We want you to come in and and do it properly with us. Um, I when we met with Suki a couple of months ago, um, she very kindly gave me the Let's Reset book, yeah, um, yeah, which is fantastic. It's a coffee table book at home for us right now. Yeah. Um, so you've you've got the book, you've got the organization, you've got your um, your pillars that you measure by, and yeah. you've got your podcast. Yep. What is next for the development of the brand?
2: Well, talking about the book, I just want to, to explain the, the book for people who may not have seen it, so Let's Reset the Book, is a book that we collaborated with Rankin. Mm-hmm. I mean, what an amazing opportunity. Yeah. What a brilliant photographer. And we wanted to do something really different with the book. Um, we wanted to showcase leaders of business in the marketing, creative, and media industry talking about their well-being challenges at work. So talking about things that perhaps people had never heard them talk about before. Mm-hmm. And talking about how those challenges made them feel, but also then talking about their top tips of how they overcame those challenges. Because we've got, I think it's just over 80 business leaders in the book and some super, super successful people within the industry. And what Rankin did beautifully, because when you give Rankin a brief like that, just the, the the creativity in his mind, he, he came up with three images um, really iconic images of people, so you know the, the the back of people's head. Who would have thought that eighty shots through through a book of the back of someone's <laughs> yeah. head would be uh, would be so captivating? But that was very much about turn you back on FOMO, turn you back on the fear of missing out. You cannot be. At everything you cannot be at every single meeting in your organisation, and so it's fine sometimes to to step away. Um, and I won't go through all of the images, but that, that you know the back of the head is is very iconic. So what's next? Well, we're going to do book 2.0. Okay. Um, it's it's not it's not another book, but at let's reset. Ooh. We do a lot of work with Advertising Week. Uh, with Ruth and... Uh, Ruth... Ruth has also been a guest Yeah, on so with yeah. Ruth Mortimer and Matt Shackner, we do a lot of lot of work with them. Um, one of the things we've been talking about is we've built a lot of awareness in the industry about well-being and how well-being can actually improve people's performance at work. But one of the things that we haven't really focused enough on is action. Because being aware of it is one thing, but actually getting a business and the leadership team of a business to take action and do something about it is what changes the dial. And so what we're going to do is we're going to start with a series of 10 mini films, which we're going to collaborate with Rankin and we're going to collaborate with Advertising Week and potentially the the IPA um, through Josh Krzyzewski and his presidency of the IPA over the next two years because he's very much got well-being of people in the industry on his agenda and what we're going to do with the first 10 films is we're going to get not just leaders within our industry but some rising stars so I want to get some younger energy um, into into the mix here and we're going to get people to share on film their most challenging mental well-being moment in their career Wow! and what what happened you know did did it did it shape their career did it halt their career did it make them turn left when they thought they were going to turn right but then importantly get them to talk about what have they learned from it and how are they behaving differently to help people around them in their organization so we are going to start the project in the autumn when everyone comes back from um, from their summer holidays. And we are hopefully going to do something both in London and in New
3: York. Amazing. So New York's in October. New York's
2: in October. And then London next May happens to fall in Mental Health Awareness Week, right. which we really want to change to Mental Health Action Week. We really want that as a target for this industry to say... Am I doing enough to actively take action and improve the well-being of my people so that they can not just not just deliver what we need them to deliver as an organisation, but so that they can truly thrive?
3: Can you see it appearing as a uh, as a ranking list in campaign? So you have your um, new business wins, you know, that's scoring like the, the the most mentally health active agencies.
2: I Absolutely can, and I absolutely think it should be. And I I tell you why. It's been so widely talked about over the last three to five years about how does this industry attract talent again you know 20 years ago this industry used to be the place where everyone wanted to work didn't it and I think it's fair to say it's struggled with its reputation how it's looked after its people and I know there are so many amazing people in the industry that want to reverse that and go we are a brilliant industry to attract talent but if I look at my two children I've got an 18 year old and a 20 year old if I look at their later stages of education the well-being provision they've had as part of their education has been phenomenal and so when they're looking at their first employer they're absolutely going to have that on their agenda mm. yes what what's the company yes you know what what's the responsibility and the, the the corporate agenda for 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 this yeah what am i going to get paid but actually mm are they really going to care about me? Is this going to be somewhere where I feel they genuinely care about me as a human being and they're going to help and support me, look after my well-being? And so I don't think we've got a choice. I I think those organisations that are smart enough are already doing it. There's a lot playing catch-up. And those that aren't, I think they're going to find that they need to if they really want to attract talent.
3: Is there any active resistance to what you're setting out to do there? So... And I, I don't want to name anybody in particular, but I would imagine some of the more old guard people in the industry are just, oh, yeah, but that's not what it's like when I was a kid. God damn, you got to sit next to the fax machine for six hours a day. Kind of thing, you know, I, I, don't, I don't care of you, you know.
2: I actually think there's less of that than we think because I, we've made such huge steps forward in the last three years. I think, and in our experience at Let's Research, because we're, we're still in startup. I think the biggest challenges is whose accountability is this in the organisation? Is it HR? Is it the commercial function? Some organisations are now having wellbeing functions. Is it the CEO? Where does the accountability sit within the organisation? And therefore, who's going to champion it internally and who's going to commit to taking action? I think that's where some of the challenging conversations
3: are. Well, what's a really good question. Do you have an answer in mind for that at all, where you think it should sit, the responsibility?
2: I think it needs to sit cross-functionally. I think so in it, leadership, I then, think it yeah. absolutely has to come from the top down. Yeah. And the reason I say that is going back to what I mentioned earlier: that if you think about well-being for your employees in, in the most simplest form, it's about changing behaviour, and changing behaviour is what changes culture. And yes, everyone in an organisation has a role to be the change they want to see to drive that culture but you have to see it role-modelled from the top down.
3: The it, it, It's an interesting word that you use there, culture, because I think if, if you go back 10, 15 years and you ask people what was the most important thing about the job whenever we were recruiting, it's like the culture. What's the culture of the business? Which to me meant, uh, do you go out and get pissed on Thursday afternoons as a team? You know That was the definition. Maybe there was an away day or, or something like that. We found, though, over the last couple of years that that's completely disappeared and it is more on... How are you going to take care of me? What 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 safety measures are in place? And, and can I work from home?
2: <laughs> yeah, that yeah. one always gets thrown yeah. in the end, doesn't it? But, you know, go, going back to your point, yeah, you know, do you, do you care about me? Yes or no? Yeah. I mean, I know one organisation that has that question on its annual engagement survey. Black and white. Do you care about me? Two boxes to tick. No to the left. Yes to the right. Wow. It's quite a brave question to pick on. It's a
3: really brave question. But then Brave has been on the agenda for a while as well. We've got to be bold and brave and good.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
0: Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com.
3: So book 2.0 coming with yeah. with rising stars. Yeah. Fantastic. Is 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 there 3.0, 4.0 in the plan yet at all or is there a, I don't know a TED talk perhaps. I,
2: I don't know about I don't know about a TED talk. We've we've had a break for a couple of months on reset the podcast and we're going to relaunch that in the autumn as well and what we've done over the last two years with our podcast is we've had a lot of brilliant people from the industry again <coughs> talking about their experience yeah, well, of well uh, yeah. of well-being lots of them talk, <laughs> lots of them lots of them talking about about their own experiences I'm really raising awareness and yeah, I want to reset that now and get people to talk about the action so I want people to learn what are other organizations doing what action plans are they are they putting in that complement the resources because every Every organization that we talk to now they have really good well-being resources and they are they've got great provision but alongside that you need things that help with the behavior change and so that for me is next on the agenda to get more people talking about the action that they're that they're taking
3: can, can you build that action into a cpd requirement
2: you can i think i i think i think it's going to take a little bit of time but i think you absolutely can
3: wow God, haven't we come a long way?
2: I think we're. I think we're getting there. I really, I really think we're getting there. And interestingly for us, some of the organisations that we've been working with, we're already seeing the transformation. So organisations that we've been working with for 18 months, two years, have been been working with our programme. They're seeing the improvement of well-being for their people. And I think once an organisation starts to see improvement and you get some traction, yep. then you get other parts of the organisation going, oh, we want to be part of that. We want to be part of that. It becomes energised
3: and lifts and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, wow. which
2: which is really exciting for us. You know, we set out for a, with, with a target that we want to touch a million people. Now it's a really lofty target, it's a really ambitious target, but you know you've got to you've got to aim high.
3: Absolutely, well, and amazing, and you've had a huge effect on me today. You know, it was it's. We're three o'clock in an underground studio in Soho on a hot day outside. I've had pasta for lunch. <laughs> I was tired at the beginning. Now I feel fully beaming.
2: Oh, that's And good. that's all down to you. Oh, well, that's um, that's very kind of you to say. But, you know, we started talking about energy and you do look quite energised.
3: <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's all do, you, you've done that. So, so I, I think probably best thing for me to do now is is to say thank you for coming in. It was a pleasure talking to you. Um, and I hope to see you again soon. We'll bring you into the building.
2: Brilliant. Well, thank you for having me on. I've loved it. Thank you for listening to Let's Do The Right Thing in association with Radio Works. The UK's largest independent radio advertising agency. Let's Do the Right Thing is a Maple Street creative production, devised and presented by
1: Adam Hopkinson.